return you now to your regularly scheduled program. Hey everybody, this is Josh Martin. And I'm Marty Hyde. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Tattoos and Jesus podcast. I am very happy to be here. Here at TNJ, we seek to blend the righteous with the ridiculous. Please explain. We discuss coffee, counseling, Christianity, and whatever else crosses our mind. We hope you enjoy it. Okay, let's go. Welcome back everybody to another episode of the old TNJ show. Over here, co-host Marty, sitting with co-host Josh. Marty and Martin. Marty Martin. What was our? What was some of our original options for names for the show? Um. Uh, so tattoos and Jesus was not that. Was that not the very first one we came up that I came up with? Because I, I came up with so. that one. I'm gonna take credit. No. Yeah, you came up with because I think I used it as an example. Jesus. I think we were sitting at your office in Cherokee, yeah. and I was like, I want the name, I would love the name to be something that doesn't feel like it goes together, because I want us to discuss hard things that feel like they don't go together and wrestle with them. I said, kind of like tattoos and Jesus. Yeah. And I said, and so I think I used it as an example, but we didn't actually consider it as a name, and then we just started looking for names, and we circled all the way back around. Back to tattoos. Do you was, remember any of the other nah, ones? I don't remember any of them. I feel like Mart something Mart. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. JJ. I don't remember. You're no. Let me see if I put it in my notes. There was one or two that we tried to come up with that were already taken. Yeah, yeah you've got notes. Do you not have your notes? Do you not? When have was them? that? Was that? That was after COVID. Wait, was that after COVID? Was, was uh, that before COVID? I think it was in the middle. When did you come to Cherokee? Twenty twenty one. Maybe. Yeah. When were you here? Twenty twenty one. I started working here. No, I started working here in like 2019. Were you here in 2020? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, no, I don't remember off the top of my head what some of the other names were. A podcast topic. Oh, no, it's 22. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I just uh, when you said that, it like made me think about a name that popped on mind for like a brief second and then it went away. So I don't know. But I don't feel like your brain's hitting on all cylinders today. I'm okay. Are you? Yeah, I'm good. I feel like I need glasses. I'm not seeing. <laughs> I'm not seeing. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> because I don't feel like I'm seeing very well lately. Like I feel like things have been a little you bit more blurry all the time. But I, I don't well, know what that has to do with this conversation. Like I'm starting to struggle to to see things clearer than I used to. Dude, I'm gonna be honest. Everything on your head is starting to go away. What does it mean if eyesight, so, <laughs> hairline? <laughs> so I put a hat on. I took. I put my charge hat on yesterday, obviously for us to just. It was loose. The last drive, like as usual, and I had to go up two notches. Like it got tighter. Yeah, I like. I, but I. I don't. I don't know how. <laughs> but it fit fine after that. Like I went up. I usually do one notch on the back of a hat. One not. One notch left. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't have like so four snapped, one left. Right, right, right. And I went up two, and it was a little loose, but it was fine. I went up one, and it was a little tight. And I'm like, "What is happening? What does that mean? Why is my head bigger?" You've been reading a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't think that's it. <laughs> you getting a fat some, head? I'm getting some fluid in there. <laughs> You were listen. You say I think I need glasses. It reminds me when I was in high school. Shout out James Blackburn. He's a buddy of mine. Was in my wedding. So, did you hire him? No. <laughs> Shout out previous podcast. <laughs> Is that yeah. what that reference was to? <laughs> yeah, hire for groom. It took yeah. me a second for, <laughs> ooh, to catch up to him. All right. Anyway, James. So I think he was in my wedding. I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I just had an anniversary though. Happy anniversary, Ashley. Wow. Uh, last week, last Friday. Oh, happy anniversary! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went on a trip for your anniversary. Thank you. So that yeah, that's why we went and saw Need to Breathe this weekend anniversary mm. present. So we were in high school and we <laughs> we were on a, a school trip somewhere and it was like bedtime, right? You know, you share hotel rooms with like four of us sharing two beds, and <laughs> we're in there and he's in bed getting ready to go to sleep and he wore glasses. He had the glasses off, and they asked him a question. And he says. He says, talk louder. I've got my glasses off. <laughs> and we're like, what's that have to do with your hearing? <laughs> he was like, I can't hear you. I've got my glasses off. <laughs> uh, I feel he's like now like a professional basketball agent and scout, so he's doing all right for himself. 
Sounds like it worked out. For it him. worked out. He's yeah. He's found some glasses. So listen, I I did something questionable yesterday. That's not good. I asked a couple pastors at my church last night. I was like, "Do I need to?" My conscience is kind of bothering me, mm. and I'm like, "Do I need to make this right? Do I not? Like, I can rationalize it, but I don't know that I did the right thing. I did a bad thing." What are you just just speak? What are you talking about? <laughs> what man. happened? I mean, I know it's not serious enough to yeah. to be. It's going to be something. I put it on the show, so it's going to be something like be out, no. I sneezed in the it was communion crackers. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be funny. No, I is is I guess it'd be considered vandalism. Vandalism. Okay. Is that? So I'm oh, in the what? shower at the gym. Well, that's not where I was expecting the story. In the shower at the gym. Picture me. Picture this. No, I'm good. I'm picturing <laughs> you. I'll pass. It's yesterday morning. It's about 7.40 a.m. And so the way the showers in the gym work, they're like stand-up showers, of course, right? You get in. They're very small, okay? They're small. But on the wall in the shower is a soap dispenser. And about half the time, there's soap in it. It's like the soap-shampoo combo stuff. It's horrible. But it's free. It's free. Right. Right. And so um, and so the soap dispenser's there, and I reach over and I push the little thingy to like dispense it, and the whole container just falls open, which has happened before, especially in that shower. Like, if there's not an actual, like, thing of soap in there, it's like it doesn't lock right. And mm-hmm. so if you try to pump it, instead of just nothing coming out, it just opens like a clamshell, if that makes sense. It falls open. Well, I'm like, because oh, this happened last week. And I messed with it, messed with it, messed with it last week. Because the problem is the shower is so small that with it fall open, like you can't shower in there. Like you can't even turn around. Like it's just right in the middle of the shower. It's not like you can just avoid it. Like it's highly annoying, right? First world problems. Did you write an email to management? Not all. So yesterday morning, again, again it falls open. So last week I was able to fiddle with it and it finally clicked. Like it stuck and I just didn't touch it again and it's fine. So yesterday morning, Again, try to get some soap out because soap had been back in there. So it had been working. Now there's no soap. It falls open. So I stand there for no less than five minutes. I'm in the shower for five minutes trying to get this thing to re-lock. And with every second that passes, I'm becoming more frustrated with this soap dispenser. And so I'm like, I'm trying it hard. I'm shutting it hard. I'm shooting, I'm trying to push up, push down. I'm trying to mess with the little locking mechanism to see if it's just loose and I can get it to tighten up long enough for it to just click. I just need it to click so I can take a freaking shower. And I push it up on there, and it just falls right back down. And so after about five minutes, I'm like, oh, and I just push it up there, and I like just try to like get my hair wet or whatever. And it just falls back down, and I reach over, and I snap it off the wall. Broke it clean off like the base that screwed to the wall is still there and i just snapped the dispenser in half and threw it out into the locker room okay uh first question yeah have you started taking steroids i wish <laughs> no no steroids just i but, mean okay so just... this is the way it started is you know that it's made to come off and that like there's these like if you push in at the bottom you can kind of pop the little pieces out and it'll come off and so I started trying to just dislocate it, like just take it off and set it out of the shower so I wouldn't break it, but it was jammed. Like it would not come off because I was like, if I could just take it off, I'll sit it out and they can figure it out later. I just need it out of here. I need a shower. And what happened is it just wouldn't work. Like it just wouldn't. And so finally I'm fiddling with it, trying to dislo- you know, get it to come off and it wouldn't. I just went, and, it, and, it, and I'm, it shattered, like snap the plastic, non-redeemable situation. And I'm not on steroids. I'm naturally this strong. So it was more of the anger than the strength. Oh, yeah, yeah. Roid rage. It was all the roid, <laughs> roid rage, rage with none of the benefit. Yeah. I now, don't know that you have to take steroids. So I guess this is my question. That's why I asked the pastor last night. I was like, do I need to tell them, hey, I broke the soap dispenser. It wasn't working. I'm sorry. I'll pay for it if I need to. Because at the end of the day, I could have just gotten a different shower. Like, and it, part of my frustration is the crap in there is always half working. It's frequently broke. It's frequently not working right. It's frequently just frustrating. And so I want to justify it. But I'm pretty sure no matter what they do or don't do, I can't justify me losing my temper and snapping the smooth dispenser off the wall. Especially for not what you pay. For 10 bucks a month. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your my entire bucks. year's worth. <laughs> right. Of- just went off the wall. Completely snapped. 
I mean, you do you, dog. I mean, I'm glad you saw counsel off of that. I would say, what would you do? But I know what you would do. What? You would leave and not tell anybody. I wouldn't have snapped it off the wall. That's true. I would have just took my shower and then left and didn't go back in that shower. But I don't have hair like you, obviously. So, you know, I don't what know do you what think that feels right? like. Do you think I should tell him? The fact that I'm asking everybody should I tell him is probably the answer. I should tell him. I mean, if you keep asking, yeah, I mean, go ahead. <clears throat> they're, just, they're probably just going to be like, okay. All right. Well, TBD, I'll update you on the situation next week. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll let you know what happens. Because when I'm there, there's no employees. Employees are, depending on how late I stay, employees are just getting there at the time I leave. Sometimes I'd never see employees. Um, So, I mean, I'm not going to tell them I got mad and snapped it off the wall. I'm just going to tell them I broke it. I'm sorry. I'll pay for it if I need to. I don't feel like I need to tell them my intent. Yeah. Or the emotional state of my being when <laughs> yeah. it happens. Write up a, a psychological summary of what happened. Yeah. No, I think you're fine. Yeah, just tell them. Say, hey, break it. And I threw it on the ground. So what's funny is, like, I got out of the shower after doing rage. that, feeling like a man, walked over to the other side of the locker room where the sinks are, and the paper towel dispenser was also snapped open. You just start snapping everything. No, hat, and I was like, they probably think somebody came in here and just went crazy when they're like totally unrelated incidents. <sighs> okay. I mean, if they cared enough, they probably would have checked no. the camera. Camera in the locker room? <laughs> uh, maybe not. There ain't no camera. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe in certain spots. There's no camera. With in the lockers. Room. There's no camera in the locker room. With lockers? No. But there is sometimes a woman that just comes in there and cleans no matter what. She doesn't even announce she's coming in. She just comes in with a mop and starts It sounds mopping. like you need a new GM more than anything at this point. It's a, it's interesting. All right. I mean, so I got a church question for you. I got a church story. I think this is going to kind of lead into our topic today. You ready for it? I'm listening. I'm All right. So I'm not going to incriminate the guilty on the pot as much as I want to. But if because you know, you know. I don't. If you know, you know. That's right. I, Y, K... N Y K K whatever. If you know, you know. Um, because I don't know the full story, and so I don't want to. Let me just tell you what happened. Yeah, just go for it. So, a local church. I'll tell you a lot of information uh, outside the church's name, so you can might be able to figure it out. So, I was at the gym last week, N- unrelated to me ripping the soap dispenser off the wall. Okay. I was at the gym, and one of the other, one of the guys that I talked to in the gym comes up to me and goes, "Marty, look at this." He goes to a local church. It's a larger church, mm-hmm. right? So think oh, a thousand plus people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they recently launched a new website. And so um, as as part of, I guess, being a member, you can have a profile like where you log in if you want to give do your giving online, mm-hmm. right? That's not uncommon. And so if you want to tithe, you can set up a profile and you go in. So he goes, look what I saw when I logged into my giving profile. And so he pulls up his profile on his phone, and there's a link inside the church's new website that says top financial givers for the church. Interesting. And so now when he clicked on it, it says you do not have permission to access this page. So that's good. Well, right, yeah. Because if it would have been, been like, yeah. you know, started listing names. But then you wonder. It's And so here's the thing. This is where my mind goes. These are my two... My two th- my two thoughts as to explain this. One is my benefit of the doubt thought. Here's my benefit of the doubt thought, and that is they have a new website. They per- maybe there is a company that does church websites, and they just purchased a package that's just customizable. And for whatever reason, that company has as a link option to be able to to connect to financial givers mm-hmm. or whatever and itemize that information. And they just forgot to remove the link, right? In customizing the website, somehow that link, when logged into the giving portal, had just not been deactivated. Yeah. And that it wasn't the church's, right? Reasonable. You know, it wasn't the church's doing. That's just you know one of the links that comes with the package, and they just hadn't, they overlooked it, right? Mistake was made. But for no the harm, podcast, no we're not taking that route. In not all. Yeah. So the other one that is my reasonable suspicion, okay, is. That link was supposed to be hidden unless you were an authorized personnel to which it would show you the top financial givers at that congregation. Okay. 
And so I've asked, I've had some patients that are pastors, said, hey, let me run this by you. Told them today, I said, hey, I'm doing a podcast. This may or may not be the topic. I want to know your thoughts on how does your church, how does your church handle uh, financial giving or the information thereof? And I asked, you know, I know the, the practice at my church, told my pastors about it. Um, what's your, what's your thoughts here? What's your gut on, on hearing this? Uh, I mean, probably around the area that most people would think, which is, this is what, um, it's what my dad always used to say. Oh boy. There's going to be a quote right here. (laughs) If he saw somebody taking another job somewhere or going into ministry, he never called it going into ministry. He's like... Uh, it looks like they got into the religion business because he always saw it in the sense of a business because money comes in, people are paid. You usually are going to make decisions based off of that if you go to another place. Mm-hmm. So, At least it feels like that. feels like that, usually. But, you know, when we've talked about this on the podcast before. Small town pastor takes a job at a much larger church. You know it comes with a much larger salary. And they get on stage and they say, the Lord is calling me to this church. And everybody in the entire audience knows. The Lord looks like George Washington? You just <laughs> doubled or Benjamin or your salary. Ben- What's on the $100 bill? Benjamin Franklin? Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, Ben, ben Franklin's calling you. Yeah, George Washington would be the uh, strip club church. Um, is that on $2 bills? <laughs> no. Oh, $1? Is that $1? $1. Oh, yeah. I was like, we should have the $2 bills. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um. And so my mind goes in that route, and then part of it's like, I don't know. It's just everything that we've always talked about, just frustrating. But I, I see you, that you, I see there's a benefit to that, I'm sure, to some degree for the church. Because Do you think that as a rule of thumb, pastors, if you are not the financial manager, right, the accountant, the financial person, right? Somebody has to know that information because they have to compile it. They have to do giving records. They have to attribute it to giver, all that. Somebody has to see it, yes. Yeah. But as far as the the ministers, the people, the pastors in ministry, do you think it's appropriate, even if they are the senior pastor, for them to have access to giving records outside of a, like, one of those outlier situations that may demand it? I don't think it's smart. I think they'll have access, but I just don't think it's smart. Because as, I mean, the, and this is the line, the church is a is a business because people have salaries and you have buildings, you have upkeep. I mean, yeah. you got to figure out what, what you got coming in so that you can balance with what you got. I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. so somebody's got to keep up with somebody. So if you, but if you're taking all donations and you know that your largest donor is XYZ, and then all of a sudden XYZ leaves the church, then then you have to account for a huge part of your money going with them yeah. and then have to make adjustments instead of all of a sudden you're missing $50,000 a year. Right. So I, I see there could be some benefit in upkeeping the church, but overall it just feels wrong. feels icky. Yeah, it feels wrong. Cause that, so, and that's the common consensus I've got. Is and, and talking to one guy, he was like, I know for a fact that my senior leadership is intentionally shielded from that information. Uh, whether they could access it if they wanted or not, he wasn't sure. But he knows there's a conscious choice to shield them from that so that, you know, because here's the thing. If you go to church with people for any length of time, whether you're in the congregation or you're at the pulpit, you know who has money. Right, easily. It's yeah. not stupid. You know who has what kind of jobs. You know who's retired. You know who's on fixed income. You know who works. You know from any you know whatever, but um, it's different to have your suspicions, right? Right. Than to say I know for a fact this person gives X amount per week or per month or whatever. Right. And so like that church is shielded at our church. Like it, even beyond that, we say we do not want to know that information. Like do not reveal it. Which our accountant that runs our finances wouldn't. Mm. But it's it's a, it's a more even forceful, like, do not reveal that. Because as much as possible, I would hate for that to create any form of influence. Right. Over anything. In yeah. both directions. Yeah. Because if you know someone's very successful and they're giving nothing, that could also jade your opinion of them that way. Mm-hmm. 
if you depending on your view of giving, which we can get into in a minute, but like if you're like this person is not contributing, but they want to have influence, right? Or if you feel like this person, or you may, you know, whatever, right? Like just knowing that That's information fair. can be challenging. Yeah, very challenging. But it's almost like politics, though. It's like who's your biggest donor? Yeah, in politics, whoever your biggest donor is is probably going to be your main or one of your priorities once you get yeah. in the office if you get voted in. But okay, so am I the am I weird because I have never once in my life thought that the the leadership at my church and I'm in leadership, so, but even before that mm-hmm. should take my opinion into account for any reason outside of, ooh, Marty, that's a good idea, and I think right. it's correct. Never once have I ever thought that my dollars should make an influence. Right. Until now. Never. That's never crossed my mind. So now you're about to start time. Now I'm going to start thinking about <laughs> yeah. it. But like in my head, I'm like, no. And we can again, we can dive into this in a minute. But like I give based on what I believe is obedience to the way that I see my spiritual life being lived. And no, like, because there's times that even the church is like, hey, this offering's coming up, and I have no intention of giving to it. There's times that I just, I don't, I'm like, I am not doing that. And there's other times that I'm like, yeah, I want it. So it's like, it's not even just based on the pressure of the church. Like, to me, it's like, I'm in obedience to this. God will use this money as he sees fits. If the church kicks me out tomorrow, so be it. That's still his money. Do whatever. He, like, I'm disconnected from that. In no way, shape, or form do I view it as leverage. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, have you ever thought that? Like, I'm giving this money, therefore my opinion should mean something? No, I'm I with mean, we've you. already established you're getting a big head. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, no, not really. But I've also been in the younger aspect of that where, you know, I mean, I was a young I was a young adult or youth or young married couple. Or young, like, you're not usually included in that category at the time. You know that you're throwing pebbles into the... Yeah, but now, once you get older, I would assume that plays more into the thought process. So, like, once you're fully established or you're in leadership or, you know, older in the sense of, you know, I mean, we're in that range of, like, we're probably in our careers for the rest of our lives. Yeah. We probably will make... Like, you're in that earning phase. Yeah. Where, yeah, that makes sense. And so, but that's a good thought. I never really thought about it. I guess that button's really created a lot of... Now, I have not seen, like, social media posts. I don't know that this thing went viral. I have not seen a lot of drama around it, so maybe they quickly realized it, removed it. I know the guy that at the gym that I'm with, he emailed him immediately. It was like, this is totally inappropriate. You need to get this gone. Yeah. Um, And so I don't know if they – he's out of the States now, so he's out of South Carolina right now, so I haven't seen him to follow up. But – Yeah. It gets you thinking. All right, so – do you have a question off the top of your head you want to go down? Because I have two kind of go for parallel thoughts right now. I'll let you pick one. One is kind of like what your dad said. He's in the church business. Mm. This topic to me brings up the idea of religious politics mm-hmm. and how that system flows, mm-hmm. which we've kind of alluded to. Mm-hmm. The other half is what is a biblical view on giving is tithe in scripture where is that like what is a biblical view on giving and so i don't know which i feel like option a would lead into more discussion whereas option b we could probably end with it we could probably end with b start with a end with b yeah start with a see where we go and at the end we'll be like so what is your view and let's see if we can hammer it out but go with A right now. I mean, we're rolling right now. We we're roll. rolling. What? Because this, it, sometimes it does feel like you're not just part of a, a church, but you're part of a political movement. Like, I remember <clears throat> a friend of mine who I'd actually love to have on the show. I'm not going to call his name out. He, um, he, he was a pastor for several years, and he ended up stepping out of ministry and now works you know, for another local company doing, you know, other, other workouts, non-ministry work. And now he's just attends church like normal person and, 
is on the leadership team, and he preaches some, and he heavily participates, right? He hasn't lost his passion for ministry, but he lost his desire to be in vocational ministry. And I remember several years ago, one of the comments he made to me was, it just gets really old feeling like you have to be on all the time. You know, it's never just, um, you know, I go and I have my job and I clock out and I go home. He said, it feels a lot like being a politician. He said, because you're always under the public scrutiny. Everyone has an expectation for how you live your life professionally and personally. Mm. And people think you're available to them at all times. Because they're paying for it. Because they're paying for it. Yeah. And he said, it just gets really overwhelming sometimes. Mm -hmm. And he said, I think we just need a break as a family. Yeah. I think is what he said. Maybe putting words in his mouth. It's been a while. But that's the impression I received, at least. And uh, and so, what is that balance like? Where do you think that? Because I don't feel like that's how the church was created. It wasn't created to be a political movement within itself, right? Not connected to like Republicans or Democrats or the NRA or whatever. But like, like it wasn't made to be a political movement in the church itself. How did that happen? So two thoughts. Um... Politics, to me, politics is in everything. It's all about who you know. You can't escape it. Can't escape it. Like, it's all about, if you want to get a job, everything everything I ever heard growing up was, it's all about who you know, and if you're qualified, you're qualified. Like, it, it's, it's never was like, if you're qualified, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. But if you know somebody, you actually had a better shot to get whatever you're going right. after than if you maybe were overqualified or qualified. And that's true. Almost anywhere you work, like if they have two people that are perfectly equal mm-hmm. or close to equal, they have a, a pre-existing relationship with one person, mm-hmm. and they may know this person is a good fit for us. They mm-hmm. fit our culture. We know them. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to naturally get the position. Right. Um, is, that a ba- is that bad, though? Is the I, nature I, of politics being in anything, by politics we mean uh, it's who you know matters? Is no. that what you're, what are you meaning by politics is in everything? Politics is in everything in the sense of like like what part of politics? So I actually heard this yesterday on a, on a, a throwback theology in the raw podcast, and the guy was his name was Dan Morrison, and he was breaking down Revelation. He was talking about because okay. we're in Revelation Church, so I was listening to that, and I, I love the way he described it because it relates to what we're talking about. He says to me, I guess. Politics is power and influence. So you have power and influence to make decisions, and based off the decisions, a lot of little ripple effects happen. So you can elect leaders, you can not elect leaders, you can make decisions, and it affects groups. So within the church, politics is there are always going to be people that have power, Mm -hmm. and there's always going to be people, probably the same people, that also have the power to impact the opinions, beliefs, and behaviors of other people. Right, and influence everybody. Is that in itself bad? No, and this is what he said. And if you would have asked me before yesterday, I might have not had this answer. Mm -hmm. But yesterday he he, he had a really good point. He said... Power, power, and influence is not bad because you can't escape it. I was going to say it's inevitable. You, somebody has to have power and influence. You put twenty random people in a room for twenty-four hours, and by the Something. end of it, someone's heading it up. Classic, you know, sociology, social psychology, whatever you want to label it as. Somebody in some form or fashion is going to have some type of power and influence. So, the, to some so the degree. fact that the church has leaders mm-hmm. and people that are influential. We should not criticize that. Right. Because it's, it's inevitable. Right. It's how they use their power and influence for the people that are involved. Mm-hmm. And that's that was his whole MO. And that went into Revelation. But coming back to here, it's the same same thing. It's how you use the power and the influence that you have that you will be judged on. Now, people will be selfish and people will be well, he didn't use it to choose my blah, 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 or you didn't. You know, you, but ultimately, you're going to be criticized at any moment by anybody. You'll hardly ever have a perfect decision. You'll hardly ever have anybody not complain. So then that leaves, okay, how do you make your decisions as a leader in the church? And if you have this power and influence, I, which is kind of goes back to what you're saying, if you shield 
the leadership from knowing who financially is backing and has the power and has the influence. That allows that person who's making the decision to have a clear mindset of how to direct the church for the good of the whole instead of for the good of the people who have the most money. But I don't think that's always true. What do you mean? You don't think it's always true? I don't think that's. It. I don't think churches do that. I don't think. Oh, oh, oh! You don't think that? Yeah, I don't think in, that's always in a perfect world. Right? Yeah, I don't think it's churches, almost like you want the pastor to operate in a um, in a bubble. Yeah, like not being aware of some other influences. <clears throat> but I as I start hearing, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, as a pastor, even if you attempt to remove the financial influence, there are so many other influences yeah. that you're having to juggle. When you prepare that message, you prepare that conversation, you do vision setting, when you're doing all this, there's so many other tensions that adding the financial knowledge heightens it, but it doesn't eliminate it Right. to not have that. Mm -hmm. Because you also have, depending on your leadership structure, maybe a a deacon body, Mm -hmm. and those are, you know, servants within the church Mm -hmm. who maybe you know their opinion on something Mm -hmm. that may or may not be in line with yours. Or you may have not prominent but maybe vocal church mm-hmm. members who make it clear their opinion on things. Right. Um, and so, or you may know of some dysfunction, you know, some fractures that are happening and how you address those or personal issues. And as you cover those topics from stage, right, trying to avoid looking at those people in the face while you're preaching, that kind of like you, you can't be absolved from knowledge, nor should you be, because you should be preaching what the congregation needs to hear. This is actually hitting on a lot of good stuff right now, but go ahead. I see and you, so, you're rolling. Go ahead. Like you need to be knowledgeable to what's the pulse of what we're dealing with, mm-hmm. right? And so this is where, <clears throat> when done well, I appreciate pastors who will wrestle with so- social topics, right, and, and and not try to avoid those conversations, right, mm-hmm. um, and wrestle with this is relevant to our congregation right now. Let's take a biblical look at what that means. Mm-hmm. Right. Not to call anyone out, but like we're not going to stray away from these topics mm-hmm. versus somebody that's like, let me always talk about something biblical that nobody's really dealing with. So it stays very neutral. The climate mm-hmm. stays neutral. Mm-hmm. Right. Which would be my temptation because mm-hmm. it's like let's avoid controversy and discomfort and anxiety. Both and so it's like you have to know what's going on, but there are like appropriate like variables that you need to know about Mm -hmm. and then probably some unhealthy variables you don't need to know about and Mm -hmm. finances would be one of them Mm -hmm. which is why i mean shout out new pleasant Mm -hmm. i mean hope one does it too but a distribution of the power works the best yeah so in the structure of lead executive pastor is at the top of the pyramid right with all the power or 51 percent or whatever you want to do it Compared to five or six who equally have power and influence. So that one person more, can't get sucked into temptation exactly. and completely derail the ship. Exactly. And that that is a much more healthier structure yeah. for a group of people. Mm-hmm. No matter how great the top the top person would be no no you know it could be the best person in the world still better it's still going to be a better structure no i agree with you i i really do appreciate the what's the the phrase is a a it's a p word that means many plural plurality of elders yes plurality of elders basically a group of a ministry team that on paper is of equal Mm -hmm. nature all have the same vote Mm -hmm. all have the same and it doesn't, but it goes back to what you said. It's still within that, there's somebody that's going to rise as the main leader. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other people that, have, oh, they have a prominent voice, or this is, you know, they kind of go along with the flow. However, it does not eliminate the ability for bad things to happen, but I do think it creates a better set of checks and balances that catch it faster. Right. And make it harder to happen. Right. It doesn't eliminate it, but you're right. When there's a, a single point of failure... Right when there's a single person at the top of the pyramid, a single point of failure, all it takes is for that point of failure to become corrupt, and and the amount of damage that's done before people are able to step in and recognize it is um, can be significant. Now, if you have a quality person with good character leading it, then you actually are of no like you would never know it. Mm-hmm. 
but it's because the person themselves has good character, so the church functions in a healthy way. It's not because the system, which is kind of a business structure, CEO, governing board type structure, it's not because the system aids in the health of the church. It's just, you know, the health of the person allows the system to function, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, just explaining the dynamics right now is like literally the United States of America political structure. Yeah. You have groups of people within the church that elect a representative to represent their group within the leadership of the church and voice yeah. their opinions. Yes. That's ex- I mean, cause you know, and, on, and, and it's the thing is, is like on one hand, it's like, Oh, let's not Americanize the church. Right. We've, we've talked about that before about yeah. how that can be polluted. But I think you're exactly right in that. One of the reasons that I think America, it, no matter how much you think politics are um, jaded, and just polluted mm-hmm. today, they're still tremendously more effective than what many other countries have. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they created that checks and balances system that doesn't prevent crap from happening, but it, it counterbalances that at least slows down the decay. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can it can kind of, it, it's harder to get things through because there is hopefully a balance of power that represents Americans, that's the goal, in a fair way. Yeah. What would you think would happen if no money were go- was going into the church? Or that money that was given yeah. was not going to the church. Nobody was taking a salary. Everybody worked but met. Like, mm-hmm. do you think that Like, bivocational dynamic, was the standard? Right, yeah. Do you think the dynamic would shift? Or do yeah. you think it's just within humanity and human nature to have this type of sure. structure? I think... Here's the thing. Anytime humans are involved, there's the opportunity for error. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I um, and I was actually, this is one of the conversations I had earlier with somebody. You know, if you, so I have half a seminary degree. Mm. And in one of the classes, as part of my half a degree, mm-hmm. we studied basically uh, Baptist history, Christian history, I don't know, some class. And because the idea of a paid pastorship is relatively new. Mm-hmm. Especially within, I guess, the Baptist tradition, if my memory's right, mm-hmm. right? It's a little foggy. But, like, if you go back 150 years, like, um, kind of congregations didn't have the, could not afford, right? It wasn't until kind of post Civil War uh, innovation and growth that churches could even afford to supplement a pastor's pay. Mm-hmm. And so initially there would just be congregations of people that would meet at different times and there would be a pastor who either was just to that church or maybe to a set of churches who would basically, he would have a full-time job as a farmer or whatever his profession was, but he would just travel to these churches. And one of the things that stood out to me is during that time there was actually much higher levels of accountability present. I would even argue maybe even to an unhealthy extent. Because the pastor didn't give a crap. Like, there was no, like, okay, fire me. Like, I'm doing this for free. Like, right. I'm just there's no. I'm just here to tell you the truth. What you do with it is on you. Right. It's the purest intent behind what he's trying to do. Right. But Whether it, that intent is right or wrong. Yeah, but it, I guess it could also make you a little bit of an a-hole. Yeah. Because it's like. You don't cater as much. You don't care. Yeah. You're like, hey, bro, I know you drunk last night. Yeah. Like, what's up, Joe? Yeah. You know, and. And so there, you know, when you start to look at how churches functions back then, it got real. You know, it was kind of it was hardcore, yeah. which I guess to a degree is like good. Put your money where your mouth is. If you want to be part of this congregation, if you want to represent Christ the way we see him represented, pony up, brother. Yeah. Right. Live it. Fast forward um, through the 1800s, there was a shift where they began to you know be able to supplement and ultimately hire mm. pastors. And that's when you started to see a softening of accountability. And so that's basically, in, in reading the books, that was what they were kind of suggesting, hinting at, or outright saying, is that you don't bite the hand that feeds you. It's even a subconscious thing, right? Like, for example, I'm, I don't want to use any of my pastors, because I'll be honest with you, I think in, in just spending the time with the pastors that are part of our leadership team, like I think they have the utmost integrity, Right. Um, but they ain't stupid, you know, like, yeah. and so part of me is like, it's hard because it's like, I, I think we should take care of our pastors. I don't have a problem with paying them. Right. Right. They are serving 
us in a spiritual manner. And I don't have a problem with that, you know, but I also appreciate a pastor. It's like my life is in a condition of this paycheck mm-hmm. versus somebody that maybe they do have kids or a family or, or situations that make them a slave to needing money. And just because of life, they, you know, they got to make some, they, they got to make some calculated risks there. Yeah. They'll do whatever is told, you know, and that's a hard spot to be in. Right. Where it's like, God, I trust you, but I've got a kid that needs medicine. And if I push too hard on this issue in the church right now, I don't want to end up jobless. And so you're faced with, well, do you trust God? But if you carry out what he has put on your heart, that he's going to take care of you. Yeah. But when you go home at night, you're looking at your wife struggling because you have a child that needs insulin and it's expensive and the insurance is covering it. And you don't, have, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm using a dramatic example. I mean, we could we could really dive into a whole lot of this because you got the church I've said and a state, lot. Say something. Split the church and like you got so many so many different thoughts within that though. Like there's so many different routes of. Well, what should a church do? Is this the right model? Yeah. Is it should it be altars? Should and, there be? And like, maybe maybe we should do a follow up episode with a pastor. That'd be good. And, and maybe we could talk about this because we're literally. I didn't realize what time it was. We're almost out of time. We've got maybe five or six more minutes left. I so mean, th- let me shift this. Let me let me ask you a question. What is a biblical view of giving? Because a lot of people, I don't think the Bible is as clear as what a lot of people's knee-jerk reaction is. Honestly. I was waiting for a lie, but uh, honestly, I don't know. You don't know? In the sense of... You're all about the New Testament these days. Come on, Josh. I mean, you have a bunch of different things out there. Like, I've heard 10%. Everybody goes with the 10%. 10%. But then you give... That's the gold standard of answers. Gold standard of answers, 10%. And then I've heard always, give till it hurts. Once it hurts... (laughs) Once it hurts a little bit, <laughs> that's when you know God's working. Give till it hurts, add 10% to that. Right. <laughs> and then you got, you know, well, what do you give to? What are you giving to? Are you giving to the church? Make sure you give to the church. I actually had somewhat recently, I'll say in the past few years, I had a pastor I, that I met with, he was the head pastor, bring up Acts 5, I think, Ananias and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. When they dropped dead. sold their house. Yeah. Gave most but not all and dropped dead. And I actually had him he he told me that he felt like I wasn't I wasn't there. Told you? Told me that. Told me he felt like, like you I was wasn't, about to drop dead? That I was wasn't giving enough. In the sense of I mean he, he used it spiritually, but I don't know that he How'd he you also feel kinda, how'd you feel about that conversation? I left the church. What you mean? How did I feel about that conversation? Like, you don't like what I'm giving now. You're about to not like what I mean, I'm giving. why would you, like, it was almost like, because you read that passage and it's like, so, you know, the disciples were gathering up the, everybody from the it's church. They sold what they had and gave it to the good of all like, so good they to may the, have for the benefit their of needs all. met. Right. Yeah. And the, the, there was two people, sold their house, gave most but not all, but wasn't and the, struck dead. Uh, I'm not familiar with that passage enough to say this, but wasn't the, was the issue the giving or was the issue the deceit? So they gave, and then they asked, and then they lied, and then they died. Cause so to they me, lied. The, yeah, the issue was the condition of the heart, yeah. not the amount well, they chose to give. Yeah, I mean, he... It was it was the issue was the lying it wasn't necessarily the giving but it was the lying yeah. after that but is this concept in this you know this thing of there's so many different examples in the Bible that I don't know that I could point to one and say this is for sure a hundred percent what I feel like consistently is represented in the Bible yeah I don't I just don't know so you know I've researched it a little bit I researched it a lot in the past mm-hmm. not as much recently. And so I'll say this, because this, it's funny, people kind of dance in these couple camps, is the New Testament does not reference the 10% rule. The New Testament does not address that. Where does it come from? Now, the Old Testament does. Old Testament, I got you. Right? So the entire Old Testament operates of, you give 10% of your first fruits, you give 10% of your, you know, there is a 10% principle. Very clear mm-hmm. in Old Testament practices. So that's kind of where that idea comes from. In the <clears throat> the New Testament, 
I'll say this. It doesn't clarify the 10% rule, but such as in Acts, where it talks about, and they gave what they had for the benefit of, there is 100% the, the essence of we are contributing to the shared needs of the congregation I'm a part of. Right. And so if you look at the scripture in its entirety, I do think it makes sense to say there is a there is a principle here that says a portion of what we receive, which we would say is a hundred percent from God, mm-hmm. a gift from God, but I'm going to take my first fruits as um, as a as a uh, a perspective setter, really, to say let me sh- let me set my perspective or my priority setter, maybe is a better word, and say there is this idea of let me take what God has given me and take a portion and give it back to the benefit of my faith. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, traditionally seen as the local congregation, but I mean, if you're giving for the, you know, the advancement of, um, of your faith and serving others and living, wh- whatever you see, you know, your conviction allows, then I would say that that's the, kind of the essence of it, you know? Um, that said, if you're like, well, how much? Okay, well, the truth is, is, is the New Testament doesn't give an exact number, but 10% is a good starting point. Mm-hmm. If you're like, hey, I don't know, because throughout Scripture, the idea of give 10% of your first fruits as a gift back to God, right? And so the reality is this. God doesn't need our money, right? He can function outside of that. Mm-hmm. I really think the principle isn't as much about the gift as it is the motivation within our hearts mm-hmm. because there have been times when I have not tithed given any portion to the church or congregation. And I also know during those times spiritually I'm in decay and I don't think it's, I don't think it's a blessing thing, like a prosperity, like a I give and God, yeah. but I do 100% think that it, it's a reflection of the condition of my heart. And so like our money means a lot to people mm-hmm. right what we have means a lot like we tend to try to hoard and to make ourselves wealthy and giving and so the the practice of of giving i think it, it shapes us as people in a godly way does that make sense mm-hmm. like there's something i think it, it perspective shifts it, it allows us to say this is our priority because this is not mine i will not be ruled by it i do not want to be greedy um, or ruled by money, and this is part of that process. The problem is sometimes I think it can feel like church is a fundraiser and pastors are pushing on the 10% because it feels like they're, um, I don't know, trying to raise funds for whatever the business of the church is, the politics of the church, whether it be his own benefit or whatever the next thing is, and not just a, no, this is a practice that we kind of see in Scripture that is, it really just helps to, yes, it's one method that God has kind of used, and we see it in the early church, to to help take care of those in need, mm-hmm. right? And to empower the gospel being lived out, the hands and feet of Christ, to those in need within the congregation. Like, yeah, that is kind of there. But I think it's really just about us, too. Yeah. I would say I agree. You agree? Yeah. I mean, that's if you had to give me an answer, I would be somewhere around there. Because I don't... If anybody asked specifics, I I wouldn't give them specifics. So real quick... What about radio shows that have fundraisers? Son of a gun. Don't even get me started. Because that was last week. Listen, we got in the car, turned it on, it was on, and Ashley was like, here we go. <laughs> Freaking, don't get me started on a Christian radio fundraiser. Mm. Stupid. Not of God. <sighs> no. What I want you, Josh, what I want you to do is I want you to call right now. I want you to give me your best gift. All right, I'm going to tell you something. You know what's not going to age well? Mm. If here in about 10 years, I work for a radio station, I have to be part of one of those fundraisers, mm-hmm. and somebody digs up one of these old episodes. Mm. And or like, we have to do it because our podcast is nationwide. That's right. And we're like, guys, well, I just want you to call. If you want to see the advancement of tattoos in Jesus now, I want you to call with your best gift now. You know, for some of you, that's going to be a dollar. For some of you, God has blessed you richly. And right now he's calling you to give back to the ministry that is tattoos in Jesus. Yeah. And so I, I trust, I have faith, I'm speaking into you right now in the name of jesus that that you feel led 
to call now with your best gift might be a dollar might be a thousand dollars for some of you today ten thousand dollars would not affect you but it would greatly contribute to people coming to know the name of the lord i'm to be honest i'd be did i sound convincing did that sound legit i'd be more likely to donate to wikipedia because it's been asking me (laughs) for a dollar wikipedia makes me feel guilty the month of october or whatever month it is when you log in and it says we operate based on the donations of people like you you're using the site right now right and you just scroll by it delete yeah Yeah, They're I just probably a dollar. I probably they should put something towards Wikipedia more than <laughs> the Christian radio station. Anyway, do you have any fi- final thoughts on this topic? I mean, giving's touchy because I get I get both sides. Um, because we see religion as a business, we see our money going towards a business, yeah, which makes it a little bit more hostile. But that's not always the case. But that's not always the case. And, and there is benefit to it, regardless right. of the system that you're and, giving it to. And I do think there's a biblical principle there of giving. And so if you're part of a, a situation where it feels like a business, then maybe that's not where you want to give your money. Yeah. But don't let your obedience be based on their behavior. Yeah, because they're, they're ultimately responsible for what they do with it. That's right. But and, it is good to know. Hey, full circle, baby. Full circle. I'm not responsible for my gym because they have crappy stuff in the locker rooms. Wow. But I am responsible for ripping it off the wall or not ripping it off the wall. Uh, yeah, that's a fact. Full circle. That's a fact. In that you're going to have to you take your tithe this month and go and buy I'm going to be one. accountable for how my behavior. It does remind me of, I'm not going to get into the topic, but for anybody listening, um, go check out the $16 million question with me, you, and Jimmy. We talked about oh, yeah, 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 that was a good one. Um, what does the church do with the sixteen million dollar budget? Of, yeah, because we we broke that down. What could they do better? What is it? Because yeah. it does bother me at times to see some of those budgets yeah. and see eighty percent go to things that are not going to anybody, but are mm-hmm. just to run, run like buildings. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's a little frustrating. And I sure. feel like there could definitely be some something. There's got to be a different system or something better to, to yeah. do this with, but. Go check out the episode. And also, me and Marty have been talking, and we hear about some followers oh. <laughs> that listen to our podcast consistently. Consistently. Faithfully. And faithful. And we and have no clue who you are. We don't know who you are. Like, we honestly don't know who you are. Reach out. If you are a consistent listener, because if you look back, we interviewed Casey a couple years ago, who, faithful listener, got her on the show. If you're a faithful listener and you want to be a guest, it would love to be, a, like, it doesn't even have to be a whole show. It could just be like a, a spotlight. Yeah. Reach out to us. Reach out. We'd love to. We'd we'll love to We'll set up a Zoom know. call. We'll, we'll get you on the show. I would love to know. I would love to sit down and talk with every single what person. What are the faces of our followers? And see what they think. I want to know. Because they know. They know. They right. know. Or if you have questions. Yeah. Or you have topics that you want us to cover. Because I feel like there's parts of people that listen to us because they have, they're stuck maybe in some type of system to where maybe we ask questions they think about, but they don't know where to ask it. Sure. Because that's exactly how Send I felt us your with questions. Theology in the Raw. Yeah. And that's what we try to provide. All right, guys. As always, hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, y'all behave yourself. I'll- Thanks for joining us on another episode of TNJ. Don't forget to check out the links to any of our guests in the show description. And check out tattoosandjesus.org for additional show information or to submit your questions, comments, or curse words.